This is Beat the Closing Line. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to Beat the Closing Line. I am your host, Nicole Russo, alongside one of our resident NFL analysts for thelines.com, Eli Hershkovich. As you know, every Thursday, we have a special guest on this podcast to give us a fresh perspective on sports betting as well as how the NFL season is going. Today, we're going to be talking to T.A., who is a professional sports better focusing on NFL betting markets. T.A., thanks for joining us today. How is it going? Good. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. I can't believe it's week four already. I know everyone says stuff like that, but it really is uh, crazy. I thought feels like yesterday we were just talking about the kickoff of the season. So uh, already a month into it. So I'm ready to ready to talk about these games and then look forward to the rest of the season. Awesome. We are so excited to have you on here with us today. And as always, before we get into our betting topics, make sure you hit the like button on this YouTube video. Give us a thumbs up and subscribe so that you know every time we post a new video. And if you are listening to us where you get your podcasts, especially on Apple Podcasts, make sure to give us a five-star review and subscribe to the pod for your chance to win a $25 Amazon gift card. With all that being said, it's time to get into the questions. Eli, why don't you kick us off? Yeah, so TA, you've been tweeting out some great stuff over at Cleve TA, C-L-E-V-T-A on Twitter, at Cleve TA. And uh, specifically for this Bengals-Dolphins Thursday night football game, the line opened at, I want to say Sunday night, uh, betting markets opened at, Bengals minus two and a half quickly got that up to Bengals minus three. Now it's sitting at Bengals minus three and a half. Dolphins obviously on the field for a ton of plays against the Bills in that 21-19 win against Buffalo on Sunday. Bengals offense seemed to be moving at a better rhythm at the Jets. Granted, it's the Jets, but regardless, since he's offense seemed to be more in a flow, what do you make of this Thursday night football game and any bets for you on the card? Yeah, I think that you mentioned the line movement because uh, a lot of people are you know, the ones that maybe don't bet for a living or don't even pay attention. They, they're sitting there wondering why in the world are the Bengals favored by over a field goal? Maybe Miami should be favored here or it should be a really short line. And, you know, that's uh, there's a lot of things missing there when, when they look at it just from that perspective. I think for one, obviously, the two a question mark in terms of. Uh, was he going to play? It sounds like he will, but even then, you know, did he have a concussion or did he have a back injury? We don't know, right? That's the the mystery. So there's clearly some question mark just in regards to his health. But then the other factor is the short turnaround. You know, we it has been kind of well documented that the the Dolphins played a ton of plays on defense last week. Ninety plays on the field. It was sweltering heat. You know, clearly uh, both teams between them and, and Buffalo were guys were getting, uh, you know, uh, getting cramps throughout the game, you know, needed IVs afterwards. It's just a, it took a major toll on their bodies. And to turn around so quickly on a Thursday night, it's just a very rare instance that we see something like that. And so I did tweet out and, and you know, I've talked about it a couple of times, but, um, you know, in terms of teams that have had to play 90 plays on defense, and then play a short week the next week. It's only happened twice that I can see since 2000. We've seen the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in 2016, came off an OT game against the Raiders, and then played the Falcons on a Thursday night. And they did this at home, by the way. Uh, They allowed the Falcons to score 43 points, got blown out. Uh, The second instance I found was the the, uh, 2020 New Orleans Saints um, came off of a a 90-plus game against the Chiefs at home, and then played on Christmas Day against the Vikings on a Friday 
um, again, at home. So, you know, both home games and they allowed 33 points to the Vikings. So, you know, again, tiny sample size. But even even when we look at, you know, just normal turnaround times, Sunday to Sunday, we've seen that that uh, defenses allow their opponents to go over their team total about 63 percent of the time. It's happened 24 times since 2000. So, you know, again, uh, small samples, but I think it, it, you combine uh, that trend or those you know data points with just you know you step back and logically like you're these teams are tired these players are exhausted it's hard to play football in general then when you add in all those plays uh well above the norm in terms of, of, of you know plays on the field add in all that heat it was a tough game against a really good offense in buffalo like it's just natural that the there should be some sort of letdown or just some sort of uh, stamina issue with with the miami defense so i i personally um, do like the, the Cincinnati team total over if you can get less than 27. I got it at 25 and a half. I think it's sitting at 26 or 26 and a half in spots. I think it's good. But then also, you know, just the, the all, you know, separately from the trends, Joe Burrow has struggled, obviously, with, with his offensive line and, and creating pressure. The, the Dolphins have been bottom five in pressure rate uh, this season. They do not do a good job of, of getting to the quarterback. Uh, their type of defense that they play, you know, you know, they run some of that that cover zero where they do all out blitzes really lends to what Joel Burrow likes to attack. He, he kills those all out blitzes. The defense for Miami is, top, is bottom 10. When you look at all the advanced metrics, the only reason they've they've kind of they look better on the surface is because they've created a ton of turnover turnovers. So um, from an EPA perspective, they've created the ninth most EPA just from turnovers alone. Otherwise, they're one of the worst defenses in the NFL. Now, granted, they played a tough schedule, but I just think that this is a good spot for Joe Burrow in this offense. And just obviously the Miami defense is, uh, has a good shot to struggle with that quick turnaround. Moving over to the Chargers. This team is much more banged up now that we're heading into week four as they take on the Texans in Houston. So you have defensive end Joey Bosa, who was recently placed on the IR, and you have that Justin Herbert injury, which was a key factor in a very poor performance in a blowout loss against the Jags. Right now, the spread is down to Chargers minus five and the total sitting at 44. Can you give us some insight into this matchup? Yeah, I took I took Houston right away when it was at six and then dropped down to four, four and a half, and it's bounced kind of bounced back and forth between four and a half and five and a half the last day or two. I, I just anticipated the Rashawn Slater injury, which is a really big issue for for the Chargers, separate from the Justin Herbert issue. You know, one of the best left tackles in the NFL. He's out for the season now with a bicep injury. His backup is Storm Norton, who's one of the worst tackles in the NFL the last handful of years. When you look at some of the pass blocking metrics, he actually allowed nine pressures last week when he came in for Rashawn Slater, which is just a gigantic number. I don't think Slater allowed nine pressures for the entire season going into last week. So it's a huge drop off. Um, I'm not sure. I'm not totally convinced that Justin Herbert's going to play in this game. Again, I have no inside info, just just my two cents. You know, he really struggled last week after getting shot up pregame. He didn't play well. He obviously didn't respond well in practice if they initially thought that he wasn't going to play on Friday. Uh, so I'm not sure why you would throw him out there. He, his performance, you know, obviously he struggled last week. But then also now you've got your left tackles out. You've got Corey Lindsley, their, their starting center, one of the best centers in the NFL, who didn't play 
Last week, he may miss another game this week. We'll see. You, you might have your two best offensive linemen out. Like, why put your quarterback at risk, your your franchise quarterback? So we'll, we'll see what happens. But, you know, if he is announced out by chance, I think this line gets to maybe, you know, Chargers minus one or two or even a pick them with Chase Daniel, at quarterback. And then you've got great line value. And I think in, in general, you know, also Joey Bosa is out on defense. We don't know about J.C. Jackson. It's just a very beat up team. In general, Houston's played much better at home, especially Davis Mills. Uh, in his one and a half years of uh, uh, of action, he's got 14 touchdowns, one interception in his career at home. The Texans actually actually have covered three straight home games, just way better from a split per- perspective. And actually, his best game uh, that he's had in his young career was last year against the same Chargers team. So, you know, I think he fares well against the, this Chargers team that doesn't blitz a lot. He struggles mightily against the blitz. 30th out of 33 quarterbacks, according to PFF, this season, while he's the sixth best quarterback when not facing the blitz. So I think from that perspective, he's got a good shot of of playing well and covering any number that's over a field goal, especially with this banged up Chargers team. And, you know, who knows, you might get some really good value if Herbert does end up sitting here. Moving over east, you mentioned offensive line play and your Cleveland Browns TA uh, have dominated on the ground this season with Chubb and Hunt. They opened as three-point favorites on the road in Atlanta, but that line has ticked down to minus one, minus one and a half, total around 48 and a half, 49 at, at some shops. Would you consider throwing Atlanta into a, a teaser leg, maybe a team total over with the Browns or or full game over in general? How are you looking to to play this game? Yeah, I personally, uh, so I have from before the season, I took a couple of future lines and I had the Browns at Pickham here a couple of weeks before the season started. I thought it was just a, a wrong number. It was sitting four and a half in other spots. So it was a rogue, rogue number, but uh, I would wait to see um, if Miles Garrett plays. You know, he's gotten that car accident, and thankfully he's okay. But we'll see if he plays or not. I think it's kind of a 50 50 proposition. If he plays, I, I like the Browns here at anything under a field goal. Um, yeah, I would consider a teaser leg, although with Atlanta's defense, there's plenty of. Um, you know, you run this, uh, play this game a hundred times. There's plenty of scenarios where the Browns just run it down their throat and Atlanta doesn't see the ball enough to, to cover, uh, even a, a teaser leg. So I'd be careful there. They still, you know, their, their offense has surprised, although before the season started, I had them, um, getting five and a half in week one against the saints. And I, 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 uh, noted that, um, this was the team that I actually upgraded the most in the preseason based upon what I saw, really liked what Mariota was doing with Arthur Smith's offense, a lot of play action, really fitting to his strengths with the RPO game. Um, Drake London was obviously, he's playing well, Kyle Pitts playing well, Cordell Patterson is a kind of Swiss army knife. So they've got weapons on offense. Their defense is still really bad. Um, dead last in the NFL, defending the run from an EPA perspective. The Browns are number one on offense, and they're just they're just ramming it down uh, opponents' throats. So, you know, there could be a scenario where the Browns just just run and never give the ball up. So, um, from a from an over perspective, that can hurt things if they're just running clock constantly. And um, from a teaser perspective, like if, if Atlanta just doesn't get the ball or if they make a mistake or two and the Browns, you know, the Browns are the best in the NFL at getting to the red zone and scoring. So um, they do convert a lot. So I'd be careful there. Like I said, I think if, if Miles Garrett plays, I feel really comfortable taking the Browns here at less than a field goal. If he doesn't play and Jadavion Clowney is out again, then, you know, maybe the teaser leg is OK from that perspective. But. Uh, take a look at that injury report on Friday, especially to see if uh, if Garrett's going to play. 
We're going to stick with your Browns for one more second here. Uh, maybe you wouldn't take them to win the Super Bowl at the futures market right now at, uh, I believe they're at 50 to one. But what do you make of their long term of the long term outlook for this team? Would you potentially bet them at plus 120 to make the playoffs? You know what I would do, honestly, is wait to see what happens after this game. You might not get a, uh, a much worse number. It might be, you know, closer to plus 110 or so. We'll see. But uh, I would see what happens here. My my goal all along when looking at the schedule after the Deshaun Watson suspension was announced, they needed to get the three and one at least in the first four games. It's the easiest schedule in the NFL the first four weeks. And then it gets much tougher. Now, the problem, you know, the, the good news is the next two games after this uh, at home versus the Chargers and the Patriots went from two, you know, difficult games where you would have been an underdog to the Chargers and, you know, close to pick them versus the Patriots to now you might actually be favored in both games with the, you know, the Herbert and all the Charger injuries and then with Mac Jones's injuries. So they went from, you know, maybe having a couple tough games to you could win both of those games and go to five and one if you win this week against Atlanta. So I think I would just wait because if they lose this game, I, I really have a hard time seeing them make the playoffs uh, for the rest of the season. But if they win this game against the, the Falcons, uh, even at um, if you can get plus number i think you'd still get a plus number even at three and one i would consider taking them for sure you know deshaun watson comes back um at the end of the season against you know teams like the saints and the in the commanders who you know many thought could both could surprise both have struggled and maybe they're worse than than what we imagined and you know having deshaun watson uh, on your roster you know makes those games much more winnable so i think there's definitely value after this week TA staying in the the AFC, but going over to the AFC West, the Raiders opened as a a one-point favorite over the Broncos at home. It was steamed up to two and a half. Must-win game for Las Vegas after starting 0-3, and the Raiders go two of six in the red zone. McDaniels plays pretty uh, conservatively overall, too, in that game. Denver, though, was outgained in, in yards per play against the 49ers, so are you are you considering taking Vegas as you know under a field goal in a, in a big spot or is this line inflated to you? Yeah, so I uh, full disclosure, I have Denver at three. There was like a three, a random three that that popped yesterday for like five minutes, and I grabbed it immediately, and then it's it dropped back down to two, two and a half, and so. You know, I, I would if I were going to take um, Denver, I'd, I'd just kind of sit and wait. Maybe you can get a, a three and, and, you know, maybe 120 max there. But uh, I don't really understand this love for the Raiders. I've actually faded them. This is going to be my third straight week. I've faded the Raiders and, you know, I've gone two and oh, luckily, and, and hopefully three and oh here. I think they stink. Uh, I, I know a lot of people. Uh, have, have talked about this in, in the offseason. So I'm not the only one. I, I wrote up a big preview for all NFL teams and talked about how the Raiders were the most fraudulent 10 and 17 you'll ever see. Well, the only 10 and 17, right? Because it was the first 17 week <laughs> season, but um, 10 win team. They were minus 65 in point differential, which is essentially equivalent to a seven win team more than a 10 win team. That three win overperformance uh, led the NFL by a mile. They were seven and two in one score games. They got lucky breaks down the stretch to make the playoffs. You know, they faced the Colts when Carson Wentz that week had COVID um, and they allowed him to play and he played terribly. They played the Browns team ravaged by COVID. They had to start Nick Mullins. They had to move that game, if you remember, to a, a Monday night. And then they played Drew Locke uh, in place of an injured Teddy Bridgewater. So they got all the breaks. This is not a real playoff team. Like if I think if we would have looked at them as a, if they were a seven win team last year, 
I don't think uh, people would be looking at them the same this year as kind of a disappointment. I, I didn't expect them to, to perform well at all. Their offensive line is bottom five in the NFL. They have one of the worst defenses in the NFL. Their secondary is all banged up. Hunter Renfro on offense uh, at receiver uh, didn't play last week because of a concussion. He has not practiced yet this week. He may be out. I don't. Derek Carr is not playing well. Uh, they're not getting the ball to Devontae Adams. I don't see why. Honestly, I don't see why the Raiders should be favored here at all. I have this more as a pick em. The Broncos, I know, look bad, and probably that's the reason why people want to fade Nathaniel Hackett and what they've seen in, the, in recent weeks. But they still are, in my metrics, they're 14th in, in net success rate in the NFL. They're third in my um, – I have a custom uh, drive metric that I use. They're third in the NFL in a net drive uh, success rate metric. The Raiders are 26th in net success rate and 11th in my net drive success metric. So I have the Broncos as the better team. They actually, as for as bad as they looked last week, look, they, they faced – Maybe the best defense in the NFL in the Niners. Uh, so you're going to look bad on national TV against that def- that defense. The Raiders are a completely different animal. In week one, the Broncos realistically should have should have blown out Seattle. I actually had Seattle in that game and was lucky. <laughs> Thank you, my lucky stars, that the Denver you know fumbled twice uh, inside the five-yard line and, and, and botched, obviously. Um, we all know about how Nathaniel Hackett botched the, the red zone. Um, and kind of uh, any sort of field goal attempt uh, at the end. So, you know, otherwise they put up seven yards per play. Uh, one of the best performances of any offense in the NFL all season on uh, yards per play metric. They're getting healthier with Jerry Judy and KJ Hamler getting another week of, of health. Patrick Sertain, I think, can slow down Devontae Adams. And I'm not sure if, if Hunter Renfro doesn't play. You know, there's not as many weapons uh, to really attack this really good, you know, top five defense at this point. So, Long story short, I don't, you know, I know you said they're desperate. There's really no historical precedent of a team that's 0-3 against the spread. They're about, you know, essentially 500 in week four when you look historically. So it's not like there's any major trend out there that these teams that are desperate and are 0-3 against the spread, you know, really should be winning here. So, again, maybe I'm on an island here um, with Denver. But I think um, as long as Russell Wilson you know, uses his legs a little bit more like he did late in last week's game, I think the offense right. can um, score some points against his bad defense. So I do like Denver here. We're going to finish it off today with a little bit of Sunday, Sunday night football, but different line of questioning. But just for the folks out there, the market is coming in on the bucks for Sunday night football. The line shortened from Chiefs minus two and a half all the way down to minus one at some spots. But what I really want to focus on here is that this game could be moved due to Hurricane Ian. So can you touch on the importance of just knowing your sportsbook's house rules and how that could impact your bet if you do make a wager on Sunday night football? Yeah, you know, we don't know. Obviously, um, you know, we make sure everyone is okay down in Southern Florida. I actually have family down there. So there's a lot going on and uh, terrible flooding and a lot of people don't have power. So, yeah, we have no idea if they're actually going to play this game on Sunday, if it's going to be in Tampa or I heard it could be in in, uh, Minnesota. There's so many moving parts. Like I personally have no um, interest in taking anything in this game yet just because I'd rather have um, some level of of, um, information that we know for sure. Um, for, for both sides here, but yeah, it, you know, some books, you know, check with your sports book to see if, um, if a game is moved or if it played on a different date or a different location, some bets get, get voided. So, uh, make sure you do take a look at, 
uh, what your house rules are there. Because uh, if you do have a, I guess if you have an, uh, one of these teams as a teaser leg, you know that could could void uh, void your bet. So make sure you take a take a look at that. I personally would just wait. I I have no idea like why this line is moving one way or another. I don't know. It's moving towards Tampa, which means do people think that it's likelier that they're going to play in Tampa? I, I don't. Again, I don't know how you make that case right now. So uh, just a lot of uh, you know uh, information that we still have to. Um, clear up first before we uh, take a look at this game. And we still, even with the injury report, just separate from all that, the Tampa injury report, they were so beat up last week. We saw what happened against the Packers. They could barely move the ball. We don't know if Donovan Smith at left tackle is going to play. We, you know, obviously Mike Evans is back. We don't know if Julio Jones is going to play. So a lot of question marks uh, in that regard. So just a lot of variables between just the on the field, off the field. And again, uh, make sure you, you check with your sports book to see, you know, what the rules are in regards to uh, if this game gets moved and um, different time and location and, and what happens there. TA, thanks so much for joining us today and giving us insight into all of these different games. Before we wrap it up, Eli, do you have any final parting words? Yeah, go follow Cleve TA on Twitter, one of the best football minds out there, and be sure to check out the rest of our NFL content from this week. I got my betting guide up, three games bet over at thelines.com, so check that out, and also go listen to our Tuesday episode with our uh, our buddy and our uh, colleague, Monoara. Thanks, everyone, for joining. Remember to give us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts and subscribe to the Beat the Closing Line podcast on Apple and anywhere else that you get your podcasts. And make sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel as well. If you are betting this week, good luck, and we will see you on Tuesday. <laughs>